going on, everybody? Welcome back to another brand new Rubber Muscle Podcast. This is episode 116, Q&A edition. With me, your host, as always, TJ. In this episode, I answer more of you guys' and girls' questions from our Facebook page, Rubby Muscle Athletes. So if you're listening to this intro, if you're listening to any of these podcasts and you're thinking, damn it, I wish I could ask TJ some of these questions that he could answer live on the pod. Well, you can. All you got to do is go to Facebook in the search bar. All you're going to do is type Rubby Muscle Athletes. It'll come up. It'll be a closed group. But you can request to join. Say I sent you here from the podcast, and I'll hook you up and I'll get you in. We also post there, um, you know, any updates I have on the YouTube channel, any updates I have sometimes on the Instagrams, but mostly it's from the YouTube and from here. And I also ask uh, ask you guys for questions for our guests. So if I have, you know, if you've listened to any of our previous podcasts where I've had some interesting guests and you thought, damn it, I wanted to pick this guy's brain. I want to ask this question. Well, you can go and do that yourself by visiting Rugby Muscle Athletes on Facebook. One more thing I want to ask you guys to do is, yeah, obviously we're going to go ahead and say, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you give us a five-star review on iTunes because it really does help. You Americans need to help me step up with that by giving us five stars and giving us a little review. But also share it with your teammates because you want your teammates to be better players. You want them to be better athletes because you want to win games. And one of the ways that you can easily do that is say, hey, um, do you listen to podcasts? Listen, check out the Rubby Muscle podcast. They have uh, interesting guests. TJ's a bit of an idiot, but he sometimes gives out good advice. And uh, yeah, we can go from there. We can help grow the podcast, grow the Rubby Muscle brand, and help me help you out and help you win. Um, without further ado, let's get into this podcast. It's the Q&A edition 116 with me, TJ. All right, boys and girls, let's get straight into this Q&A episode of the podcast. Some of you may have noticed that recently we have been omitting the fact of the week from the podcast, and I think that's because it's kind of ran its course, and also due to the fact that my initial plan was for these podcasts to be like short, to the point, twice a week podcasts, you know, around 20 to 30 minutes at most, and obviously a lot of them have ran over a lot of them have been a lot longer than that in fact i think every single fucking podcast has been a lot longer than that and so i'm trying to figure out where i can sort of chop and and i don't want to get rid of all of the good conversation because a lot of our conversation is really good especially with my uh, other guests you know i don't want to um interrupt them to to try and steer back and and ask the questions that i have written down because usually the conversation naturally blossoms into like like something really important i think you guys will we'll find valuable and, and meaningful and so i don't want to take away from that so i was like looking at the podcast and i was thinking where where can i um free up some space where can i allow this podcast to be a little bit shorter and obviously the fact that a week is usually end up with like a five minute complete waste of time it's it's funny but you know you can listen to comedy podcasts for po- comedy this one is uh trying to be a little bit more to the point and yeah we'll have a laugh and stuff but i think the fact of the week is a little bit too much fluff if you guys disagree Go ahead and go to iTunes and give me a five-star review and then comment in the review section. Hey, bring, bring, bring back the fact of the week. And I, and I 100% will. If I, if I get a few of you guys saying that, you know, obviously leave me a five-star review because that helps. But uh, yeah, if you do that, I'll, I'll bring back the fact of the week. But for now, uh, this is like a public service announcement. We're, we're admitting it for the time being. And yeah, sorry about that. If, you, if, if that was the only reason you, you listened to this podcast, <laughs> you better unsubscribe, I guess. Anyway... 
I've spent too long already addressing why uh, we end up wasting t- too much time on this podcast. Let's actually get right into the meat of it. This first question we have is, are lifting shoes worth it or not? Um, I would absolutely say that it depends. <laughs> is that going to be my answer for every single question going on this podcast? I think there's a very real possibility that it could be. But the reason that we do this podcast is so we can get into nuances. So let's do that. Lifting shoes are a great tool to help you get a little bit lower in the squat because they elevate that heel, which means that you don't have to create as much of an angle at the ankle to get lower. Um, and therefore, it allows you to get lower without, you know, without having to work tr- tremendously on your ankle mobility. And that's, that's a good thing. It's absolutely a good thing. But I would, ask, I would ask the question, you know, why do you want to make sure that you squat lower? Is there other alternative movements that you can do? You know, if you if you find that back squats, you know, you, you can't inherently get them like spot on form, you don't actually need to be doing back squats, you know, below parallel as a rugby player. You can do full range of motion, split squats, you can do reverse lunges. Those two are really good, and I've said this and I've been banging on about this for a while now. Rugby is played on one leg at a time, so we should be training one leg at a time. Yes, back squats can be great, front squats can be great, but at the same time, we we have to train each leg individually and there's no reason that you need to be doing double leg back squats or, or bilateral back squats or, or front squats. But in saying that, they obviously are a good movement and if you feel like you enjoy doing them, if you feel like add, um, getting a pair of lifting shoes is going to be of benefit to you, it's going to help you get a little bit lower and you can justify that cost because don't forget they are kind of expensive. Yeah, for sure I'd go ahead and buy them. I used to be of the belief that, you know, you... you that lifting shoes were as important to you as rugby players as, as you know, your, your rugby boots. Because, you know, you, you wouldn't go out in Converse and go play a game of rugby. You, you have to have the appropriate footwear. You have to have the appropriate gear. I, would, I used to argue that it would be the same thing for squatting shoes. I've since sort of come around, and I'm not sure I believe that as such, because there are, other, there are so many different workarounds you can use instead of, you know, spending another 100 to $200 on a, on a pair of fancy shoes. There are many other workarounds, so you can do, like I said, other movements and stuff. But it's it's entirely up to you. It's something that you you've got to figure out for yourself. The other real good pro for lifting shoes is the fact that they last forever. And I'm not sure if they last forever because you only wear them in the gym. You know, if you're only wearing these shoes in the gym, there's only so much wear and tear that they're really going to take. You know, they're always inside. You're not going to mess them up on the, on the streets or whatever. But they do, you know, they're usually built really well. And so, you know, you are spending 100 to $200 plus on these shoes, but they are going to last you a long fucking time. And so that's, that's where I'm at with it. Now, should you be, if you're, if you've got a good range of motion, I, I absolutely would say that you can use bet. You can just go in bare feet or you can go in chucks or you can go in uh, minimalistic trainers. And in fact, I've got a video on, on YouTube going through why you should wear minimalist shoes yourself, why the benefits of why there are huge benefits of that. And I definitely do believe in that. Like if you've got spongy trainers that are meant for running and they're meant for hill striking, then that's going to give you some cushion, which is absolutely useless when you're trying to do squats or you're trying to apply force to the ground. That means that some of your force is absorbed by that foam hill and that you know, essentially is number one, it's lost because you know, half of it, you know, a bunch of it gets absorbed. But number two, creates a level of instability. So when you're lifting heavy, you're usually better off having you know, a pair of either you know, flat sole, converse, minimalistic shoes, or just going bare feet. 
And as long as you've got a good range of motion, you should be fine. And again, you know, looking at ankle mobility, it's not as much ankle mobility as it's hip mobility and just getting through those movements. And a lot of the time, you know, I've said it before, I used to be able to squat 200 kilos, but I, I, you know, I had no depth whatsoever. And so a lot of times in order just to get deeper in your squats, it could be a case of just lightening that load and checking your ego. We've digressed a little bit from, you know, the original question of are lifting shoes worth it? But I think that was, um, a, a, an important way to sort of go around it and hopefully you found that valuable Sean so are they worth it or not that's not for me to decide it's up to you next one hi mate got a bit of a different question for you for the first time in my life I've not get, gotten picked for the team and it's the all Ireland final tomorrow I played well for 70 minutes in the semi so I don't really know what I've done to deserve getting dropped how do I deal with it this this is a great question because I think we all learn a lot from failure as long as we understand exactly why. A lot of people will say, you know, you can learn from failure by you know, keeping the memory of being dropped and using that as fuel and, and doing all that. I don't think that's a good way to look at th- things. I don't think that's a good way to go about your life because you end up resenting things. You think the whole world's against you. And, it, you know, you just ca- carry around a lot of negative energy and negative stress, which is, you know, if, you, if you're stressing too much, you're not going to make the progress you want to make. So, you know, even if you're looking at it from a complete physiological point of view, doing that isn't the best for you. Plus, you're just not going to be happy. So instead, what I would do is I would look objectively. You know, I'd absolutely 100% ask the coach because you don't think you deserve getting dropped. But obviously he does because he has dropped you. Whether that's because he thinks you're inexperienced, whether he wants to put in other players for whatever reason. It, you know, he, he has got a reason. Absolutely, every single time a coach selects a team... He's done it for a reason, and you deserve to know that reason. Now, once you've figured out that reason, you work on, obviously, you know the weaknesses that he perceives that you have, and you also work so hard, and I tell this to my athletes all the time. It's not a case of working so hard that you, know, you, you become a cog as part of the team. You want to work, and you want to be the sort of player that is picked number one on the team sheet, that they would be an absolute fool to bench you, they would be absolutely ridiculous to not include you in the team or not include you in the squad or not select you or whatever it is. You want to make it so that there's not even a question. So it's it's 100%. If that guy's fit, uh, that guy being you, he's 100% being selected and he's playing as much as he can every time because he is that valuable to us. And I actually personally have that exact experience for myself from when I was 20 or 21. I was playing for Amtil, who... Uh, Congratulations, shout out to Amto, actually. They got promoted to the championship in England, so shout outs to them. I was playing for them, and I'd started pretty much every game of that year, and then which ended, resulted in us getting qualified to play a final against Jersey Reds at Twickenham. And inexplicably, I got dropped from the team. Uh, Funny enough, I actually got dropped for a, like, I think he was like 43, 44-year-old ex-Welsh, ex-Welsh player, ex Welsh national team player and like I couldn't believe it and no one else on my team could believe it even a couple of the the two assistant coaches both said yeah I don't think you should have been dropped and at the end of the day it crushed me like I felt like a piece of shit I was like fuck like this was my one dream to and it was actually since it's the only time I've ever played at Twickenham and the only time I guess I'm ever gonna play seeing as I've retired as my one and only shot and I got dropped and you know, obviously that that sucked and it absolutely like tore me apart at the time. But what I did was I looked at it and he, you know he even the coach then I asked the coach I was like I can't believe this like why you know what do you think I've done wrong, 
And he gave me the classic spiel of, you know, you haven't done anything wrong. We just want to go with more experience. And so I looked at that. When I looked at that objectively, it kind of made sense in that I just wasn't good enough. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't at that point point where the team needed me that badly that it was unquestionable that I had to get selected. And so what I did was I worked on that because... I looked on the way I played. I didn't ever really carry as hard. I didn't make the big hits. I just was a you know a cog in the team, a very successful team, but I was just a cog. Whereas, um, you know, I came back the next season. I worked on my carrying. I became a standout player for that team. I became uh, the top scorer for the next season, or one of the top scorers. I was a top scorer by Christmas, and then I got and then I had to play a bunch of games for Poland and couldn't do that. But yeah, actually. And even that, like because of that, I ended up being a top scorer and that's how I ended up getting recruited to end up playing for Poland. And, you know, the rest is history. I shaped my life around rugby somewhat because of the fact that I didn't get into that team. Like if I'd have got into that team, I'd never realized, you know, my weaknesses. I've never really realized how much I had to improve and how I had to make it unquestionable for the next time that we went to Twickenham or the next game that I got selected. And so that that's what I did. I didn't... You know, and yeah, obviously it sucks. And obviously you want to play as much as, as you can at the time. And I know that Dara writing this in is only in his teens still. So you've got plenty of time. So don't, you know, yeah, you're angry and yeah, it's, it's frustrating. But at the end of the day, get past that. You can't carry that resentment around with you. You want to, you know, push, put that behind you and move forward and, and constantly keep moving forward. Understand why it happened, work on why it happened and make sure that doesn't happen again. But you're not looking over your shoulder. You're not thinking, damn it, you know, that was the one time I'm going to show them, I'm going to prove whoever wrong. That's not the way you want to do it. You just want to look at it as objectively and as uh, stoic as possible. And yeah, I think that's, that's about all the advice I have there for you, Dara. Hopefully that helps and Hopefully you get over that and hopefully, you know, you come back stronger and a better player and and, and it'll be a, one of those funny stories. Like, hey, you remember when we dropped this guy and now he's a, you know, he's a complete beast and he's playing wherever. That's that's what happens, you know. Um, I remember actually, another side note, like, it, this happens to everyone, you know. And it's funny that you say that for the first time in his life, that's, that's important to know because you need to have that failure. A funny one was when I was in, when I was at uni, and one of my uh, good friends at college, he, he was a fresh, he was a freshman, and we we played in a freshman's tryout game, and this guy didn't actually make the team, and he was by far our best player. He was by far the best player that went to that uni. He ended up being one of the few people that ended up being like a full time pro for some time, um, but he didn't make the side. And there was some because I don't know why actually, you know, it was just one game. You know, you can't give a big impression, but he didn't make that team, and um, you know that was his failure and. It, he didn't let it bite him in the ass. He just was like, "All right, that's that's a bit weird," but end up moving on. And so, at the end of the day, don't overthink it. We all we all come across failures. So, that's a random side note, but I thought I'd bring it up anyways. Next question: Does the size of a muscle have anything to do with the strength? Obviously, yes, it does. That's why we have um, like strength sports and combat sports have weight categories because we want the stronger guys to compete against the stronger guys and the stronger guys are the heavier ones because they have more muscle obviously there is a law of diminishing returns for both of those so there's only a certain amount of size you need to or there's only a certain amount of strength that you need to do to number one compete and then number two like be stronger than everyone else or make it your you know uh, for lack of a better word strength make it your positive thing that you can do is be stronger than everyone else there's only a certain amount of strength that you need to do that and then there's only a certain amount of size that you need to have that strength 
if you just end up being a huge bodybuilder, which is, again, it's not an issue that most people will come across because nobody ends up being too big. But if you train exclusively for size, there's going to be a point where you don't have, you know, you stop increasing as much in strength and you only end up increasing in size. <clears throat> that strength then ends up being um, not as transferable to the sport. And obviously, the bigger that muscle is, the heavier it's going to be, which means potentially the slower you're going to be, the less powerful you're going to be, because that strength that you have is going to be used slower, which means, you know, strength is, or power is strength times speed, which means if, you, if you're slower, you've still got that strength, but the speed isn't going to multiply a lot. So you're going to be less powerful. You're overall going to be less athletic because you're just carrying that much more bulk. Um, also to add to that, you know, if you're focusing just on gaining muscle, that's also time that you could spend becoming a better rugby player in terms of skills, in terms of aerobic fitness and those sorts of things. I've said it a bunch of times before on this podcast. A lot of people listening to this are listening for extra tips to get, you know, eke out that last little bit of strength or eke out that last little bit of hypertrophy so they can be a slightly bigger, a slightly stronger rugby player. When actual fact, you know, you're already big enough and you're already strong enough. What you need to do is get become a fitter player or you need to become you know better at your skills better at your reading of the game those sorts of things it doesn't mean that you should ever you should completely stop doing the strength work because that's what got you you know that's what made you a good player in the first place perhaps so you don't necessarily have to ever come away from it but you can absolutely de-emphasize it so hopefully that answers that question yes the size of muscle allows you to have you know, the amount of strength potential. And the strength of a muscle allows you to have a certain amount of playing potential. But just because you're big, just because you're strong, doesn't mean you're going to necessarily be a great athlete. It just helps you with those things. Hopefully that makes sense. Sweet. Next question. We're, we're rattling through these questions today. How to diet and play rugby while struggling with low test? Number one, stress less. Number two, sleep a lot more, uh, and then number three, get yourself regularly checked by the doctor or by, you know, any, I guess the, I'm not, I'm not overly sure about how accurate these online means of testing are, but yeah, get your bloods regularly test so that you can figure out, regularly test, get, get the pun, but if you get, if you get regular blood tests, you can figure out exactly what is working for you, what's going on in your life, and pay attention to those sorts of things, and Make sure you're doing the things that help you increase your testosterone. So stressing less and sleeping more are huge. Also, eating a lot of carbohydrates can absolutely massively improve your testosterone. After that, we've got all these bullshit supplements. None of them work. There's only one really good uh, supplement that you can do, and it's not a supplement at all. It's doctor's prescribed hormone replacement therapy. If you truly have low testosterone, that can absolutely help. And obviously, you're not going to go play tested or high level rugby whilst putting a bunch of steroids in your system but if they're doctor prescribed then you're going to get them to a decent level not to a stupid crazy level um that's going to be kind of healthy for you from from what i know about hormone replacement therapy but i'm not i'm not advocating you doing steroids i'm advocating you getting some actual help if you completely need it but other than that there's there's so many different natural methods that we can do you know and and they're the unglamorous ones they're sleeping they're stressing less they're eating more carbohydrate carbohydrates they're eating more carbs doing a lot um you know 
people, you, your testosterone will shut down if you eat a real low carb diet, if you eat a real fatty diet. And the other thing is, if you're in shit shape, your testosterone is absolutely going to be in the tank. Whereas if you get yourself into good shape, you increase your muscle mass already, that's going to help you increase your testosterone. If you lower your fat levels so you stop being a fat piece of shit, that's also going to increase your testosterone level. So those sorts of things um, will absolutely help you increase your testosterone. Now, if, you, if you're talking about having absolutely clinically low testosterone, then the only way you're going to be able to do that is, number one, either get help or just shut up and absorb it and just do what you can or absorb it. Shut up and get over it and just do what you can with that low test um, and doing those methods that I've just said will absolutely help increase those. If you're just kind of low test because you're suffering from the symptoms, again, doing those things. And even if you have high testosterone, doing those things are just going to absolutely help you um, be more, way more productive with your, with your rugby, with your training, with all those sorts of things. So, yeah, be a healthier person and your hormones will take care of themselves. Next question. <laughs> What's the meaning of life, the universe, and everything? Uh, for most of you people listening, it's just to be happy and contribute. Do those two things and you're going to be a good person, I think. Um, I'm not a person to really answer that sort of question, I guess. But I, I personally, do, that's that's my philosophy is be a good person. Do what you can to be a good person. And um, and that is by being happy you know, not being miserable and contributing and, and having a chip on your shoulder. It's just doing what you can to be happy because if you can be happy, you can contribute better. The better you can contribute to the world, the better the world is going to be. Simple. Hey. Tune in for the next podcast where it's, you know, TJ's life philosophy tips. Actually not going to happen. Next question, um, and maybe this will be the last question as I'm starting to feel like a complete weirdo here talking to myself. Actually, we'll do we'll do two more questions. Number one. I'm 14 years old and I have a minimum of 2,100 calories to eat. How do I lose fat? It's a strange question because if you have a minimum of 2,100 calories to eat, then how do you lose fat? You eat 2,100 calories and that should hopefully be losing you fat. Um, It's a a tough one. At 14, there's so many different elements of this question that we can dive really deep into. Number one, at 14 years old, you shouldn't be too concerned with losing fat because you are in the prime age, especially if you're listening to this, which means you're going to the gym. You're at the prime age to gain as much muscle and to gain as much movement skill as possible. So take advantage of that. So lift heavy or lift relatively heavy, but lift perfect with good form. The more you can do that, the better athlete you're going to be later down the line. Nobody cares if you're an England under 15 superstar if you peaked at that age and you know you you lost out or you you, you know you got burnt out and you, you you know it ends up being a story that you tell people at the bar nobody cares this is about long term stuff so use what you can at this age you've got all of your hormones in place going for you you live a very very low stress lifestyle not that you think that because you think that school's the most important thing and, and all that sort of stuff when you get older you'll realize it's not but you're at a stage where you can gain a ton of muscle. So a lot of your work will be to go geared towards that. A lot of your work will also be geared towards honing your technique, getting as you know, running and moving as efficiently as possible. Those sorts of things are going to help um, build, you know, build you to be the best athlete that you can be. If you're, you know, if you are completely overweight, then just track your food. Make sure you hold the same weight that you're at. I wouldn't necessarily even consider 
it depends how overweight you are, I guess, but I wouldn't necessarily consider really losing weight. And you've actually said losing fat, which is a good point. I would just try and hold that same weight and you would, your body would be able to recomposition, meaning you would gain muscle and lose fat and you would hold that same weight. So the muscle that you gained would be the amount, it's the same weight as the fat that you'd be losing. And therefore you will develop yourself into a bad ass athlete. Where you said you've got a minimum of 2,100 calories to eat, I have no idea where you've plucked that number from. As a 14-year-old, there's no there's no way you know that that's an actual figure. You're just sort of ballparking. Don't overthink it, dude. Just track your diet and track your weight and get away with as much food as you can because you want to pack on that muscle without gaining any more weight. So you're going to try and hold that position and hold that weight, You know, hold that number. So say if you weigh, say if you weigh 180 pounds, you hold on to 180 pounds for as long as you can and you as long as you're getting stronger you know you're building that quality muscle you know you're moving well you know you're becoming a better athlete and if you can do that on you know not just 2100 calories if you can do it on like 3000 calories 4000 calories you're going to build yourself up to be a much better athlete um so yeah i wouldn't necessarily worry about losing fat i wouldn't necessarily want to worry about sticking to 2100 calories i would just track your diet as best you can understand work on your relationship with food understand what a portion of food is understand how much you're eating and try and hold your weight so that you can uh, gain gain muscle because you're in the prime age to gain muscle don't waste your time doing all that other stuff you know no, nobody cares about your abs for the gram when you're 22 and you're a successful athlete you know nobody cares that when you're a 14 you're ripped i know it seems like a really important and that's a really mature sort of mindset that you have to have but it's that mature mindset that's going to make you a better athlete and, and and in the long term you know what a better person so be mature think about your long-term benefits and that sort of thing if you really want to lose fat then you know you can slowly bring that weight down but you want to be making sure that you are absolutely 100 percent getting stronger there is no excuse for you at your age at 14 years old to not be getting stronger so do what you can to get stronger and go from there. Last question. Where are we? The last question on my sheet here. Tips for gaining muscle whilst training four to five times a week on feet, on field. The most important thing for this is sleep and calories. You want to make sure that you're sleeping enough in order to make sure that you recover enough and then obviously you want to make sure that you're eating enough again to make sure that you're recovering enough but not just recovering you you know gaining muscle is more a case of not just recovering it's actually over recovering right because you're overcompensating for the work that you've done to come back and build yourself to be stronger so you have to make sure that you're eating enough calories not just to recover and, and get back in the gym you want to make sure you're eating enough calories to get back in the gym and gain some muscle and it's the same thing with sleep. So those two things are super, super important. Obviously, if you're four to five times a week on on the on the field doing rugby practice, that means that you're probably also hitting the gym on the same days that you're um, you're doing your rugby training, which means that it's super important that meal timing is paid attention to because it's not again it's not about giving you energy for those sessions themselves which obviously it does help it's about recovering from those sessions so say if you have a protein shake with some oats before your gym session that that isn't necessarily fueling that gym session 
but it starts the recovery process super on time like completely it helps you perform your best in the next training session because you're already recovered from that gym session what i mean by that is let's let's use it let's put it as, into an example so say you have the protein shake with some oats an hour and a half before you get hit the gym that's not necessarily digested by the time you're in the gym but by the time you're halfway through that session you know you you that could sort of be digested by then you know you have some of those nutrients hitting the bloodstream halfway through that session and that means that you're already recovering from that first half of the gym session say you you know you you hit um three sets of bench press and three sets of squats your body is already recovering from those movements halfway like whilst you're still finishing off your training session say you then move on to some shoulder work or some pressing work which you would did pressing didn't we shoulder work and pulling work you're, you're still you're already recovering from that first half whilst you're doing that second half which means that when, when you're finished when you get your post-workout you, you spend that whole time recovering you're going to be fresh as a daisy for your field sessions which are very very important you know you're not going to say to your coach listen buddy sorry mate but i'm trying to gain muscle right now so i know i might be performing like shit in this session but you can just ignore that for now no if you're in if you're if you're training that often it's probably important that you perform as best you can as often as you can in those sessions so Make sure you recover for those, but it's it, generally most of it is taken care of by eating in a calorie surplus. Make sure you're eating enough food. Make sure you're recovering. Make sure you sleep well. Um, and then other than that, you know your pre and your post workout nutrition becomes pretty important. So the protein shakes because it just allows it to be it allows you to be eating around your training session more conveniently i guess it's the easiest way to put it it's not necessarily doesn't do wonders but i don't think any everyone wants to take you know loads of tupperware around with them or wants to take a big tupperware and and scoff a giant meal straight after the gym when they've got to go train later as well so those sorts of things really help those are those are my top tips and be as consistent as you can with those other than that you know make sure that you're not doing too much volume when you're trying to gain muscle um, make sure you're using that 80-20 principle. You're only doing the sets that are required. Don't do don't do seven different movements for chest on one day, and then you know wonder why you've got severe DOMS and you can't play. You know it's, this is where the beauty of those full body workouts come in. Vary rep ranges. Make sure you're recovering and make sure you are performing your best. All right, we'll wrap up that podcast there. I've been I felt like a complete loon just talking to myself again for the past hour or so. Hopefully you guys found it useful. If you did, as usual, I'm always going to say this, go give us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps the show out so much, and it takes you about 10 seconds to do it. If you don't already follow me, at tj.strength is where you can find me and find a lot of the, the stuff that I'm, I'm talking about on this podcast. You should be able to find lots of video demos of that sort of stuff or further in-depth posts about that sort of thing. If you haven't already, make sure you go, ahead, go to rugby-muscle.com and pick up 50 free completely free conditioning sessions and with that you'll also get signed up to the newsletter which isn't a shitty newsletter i actually wrote about that today i don't want to give you guys spam like my email gets filled up so much with so much shit that i'm i feel like i'm constantly killing and unsubscribe i hopefully i hope that you guys don't feel like that you need to do that i hope that you guys pay attention to these emails because you find them really valuable i put a lot of time into them and it's just me writing it i'm not necessarily trying to push the hard sell ever i just i'm trying to help you guys out as best i can and and that's what i like to do with those emails so rubby-muscle.com for that sort of stuff and with that i'll see you guys in the next one
All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this or any other episode of the Rubbing Muscle podcast, please feel free to share it with your friends or teammates. It's something that little things like that that you can do that really do help the show grow. And the more we grow, the more we can help you guys out. Another thing that you can do is go ahead and give us a five-star review on iTunes. That only takes about 20 seconds. And again, it helps us grow and helps us spread the podcast to people that need it. If you're interested in stepping up your training, then visit rugby-muscle.com where you can pick up 50 free rugby conditioning sessions or you can join Team Rugby Muscle where you get world-class strength and conditioning delivered directly to your phone. That's rugby-muscle.com for more information on all of that. Thank you guys for so much for listening and we'll see you in the next one.